0: all right um then we will get started in three two one derek man what f- this house this house dude seriously like we're, we're sitting in <laughs> in your lower guest room and all i gotta say is f- this house this house and you agree i do 100 percent. but i think the reason you probably agree is because we're not talking about this house oh yeah yeah, yeah i agree both ways <laughs> all right, so here f- your house, but also, uh, today, we have a pretty cool guest. This is the first time we've had an author
1: on. Yeah, man, this is pretty cool. Like, when you hit me up about this, I was I was like, what? This is amazing. It's so different, but like, why haven't we done this, you I, know?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm still kicking myself. Yeah. I mean, fuck all the brewers out there. Yep. You know, they just make <laughs> the beer that we enjoy. Yeah, come on. Uh, but how about all the fiction we enjoy? Yep. So today, we have brian Asman, author of man fuck, fuck this, this house which by the way is the best title i've ever heard yeah when i when i i'm like Stu, i gotta read this book <laughs> just by that <laughs> alone <laughs> I, I just finished the book and and i was like dude i reached out to this guy to see if he would be interested in doing the podcast yeah um and and i think your your first thing was like well what, what did he do and i was like i think i said he wrote man fuck this house and you were really confused cuz i
2: think you didn't
0: assume that, that was like the name of a book no
2: um
0: <laughs> uh, but clearly uh it's a very good i enjoyed the shit out of it um and you have enjoyed it as well yeah and now 100%. this book is quite beat up already so yeah it's okay it is you can see that's it. What, that's what books are supposed to have <laughs> yep so today we have uh Brian Asman uh man fuck this house and i'm tired of talking to you i kind of just want to talk to him hey i'm the so same way can we just Get to the intro? Yeah, please. All right. One, one,
3: two,
0: three. Hi, I'm Stu. And I'm Derek. And this is our podcast about all the weird, spooky, creepy things that keep us up at night. And the one thing that makes us forget all about them. Ladies and gentlemen. Beer Freaks. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Alright, Stu, so... uh, (laughs) If you're pronouncing someone's name, you should probably pronounce it correctly. I think, um... Was it? Was I not? You were not. I was not. It's Brian, and I'm gonna mess it up <laughs> too. I hope you fuck it's it up. It's Brian Asman. Brian.
3: Yeah. So you're actually supposed to yell it as well. So it's more like <laughs> that would <was laughs> be the proper pronunciation. You,
0: you know. You know what I. You know what I think it is. Is I've watched way too much Seinfeld uh, growing up, and if anyone has seen the episode where. Kramer gets the ass man license plate. Oh, Jesus. Right? <laughs> ah, that's um, right. <laughs> which is a great episode. And by the way, he finds out he got the vanity plates. The vanity plates belong to a proctologist. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> which, you know, is perfect. It's kind of perfect. I love so, it. So, Brian, I apologize. I meant to ask you before the show. I just kind of went with it, and it's totally my fault.
3: But welcome. Hey, it's all good, and I'm really happy to be here. No worries. <laughs> Dude, so... You've written a
0: book. You've written several books, but you you wrote a book that Derek and I have read. That uh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of taking a little bit of the horror community by storm. Um, t- can you tell us a little bit about "Man Fuck This House"? And
2: hey,
0: a- a- you have to tell us about the title, okay? Yes, and then you also have to tell us a little bit about the content, what you're willing to talk about.
3: Absolutely. So yeah, it's kind of funny because this book totally started as a Twitter joke. Uh, I remember getting on Twitter like two years ago and just being like, you know what would be the perfect name for a haunted house book, man, fuck this house. (laughs) And all these people were like, well, not all these people, like five people were like, dude, you should totally write that. And knowing that I could sell a minimum of maybe three copies to the five people who are interested in, (laughs) I was like, I should go ahead and write this book. And, uh, so I did, um, yeah, the funny thing was the book was originally going to be very, very, very different. Um, it was going to be kind of like a fratty ghost comedy. It's going to be kind of like Van Wilder, but like paranormal, um, yeah. where like, you know, people would be passing out in rooms by themselves and wake up with like dicks drawn on their faces. And like, everyone's like, no, no one else was here. Who could have drawn the dick on your face? It sounds like a Saturday <laughs> night for Derek. It, it does. On. Yeah. That's yeah. Like night deal, <laughs> Yeah. That was the original idea. And then um, again, I was like, Twitter has shaped this book, really. It's kind of funny. But uh, my friend Autumn was like, Autumn Christian, uh, author of Girl Like a Bomb, which is excellent. You should check it out. She was like, write like this tweet and I will say something out of pocket about you. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll play, whatever. And she said, I feel like you write exclusively for bros and that makes me feel left out. Oh.
2: And I was like, oh. huh.
3: You're right. And so I I felt like the book I had in mind was going to be too much of a retread of other stuff I've done. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to push myself in a different direction. I was like, well, I haven't written anything like long form. That's like really about like a traditional family. Right. And so I wanted to write about a traditional family that moves into a house, kind of do like the familiar like poltergeist or whatever kind of haunted house book mold or haunted house movie mold whatever you want to call it where you know just we've seen that build so many times where like family moves to a new town moves into a house spooky things start happening and but what i really wanted to do was get into the relationships and the the yeah. familial dynamics and there are two things that i think separates this book from other books of its ilk um other than the title of course And one is there's kind of an unorthodox look at parent child relationships in here. And I don't, I like, I'm not just saying that there are people who have come up to me who are like parents who are like, you know, when I read this, like the the mom character, Sabrina, she was like thinking things that I've thought, but never seen articulated before. And that's, that's the kind of shit that makes me really like, it really gets me like right in the heart when people say things like that, you know, just like, cool i touched a part of you that no one else has before um that's yeah. pretty rad yeah
0: okay c- can i just jump in because i Please. i dude, i mean honestly like one of my favorite parts about this book was you're exactly right there are a million horror stories about a traditional american family moving from one city to another moving to a new house moving you know um and and, and it's not to say that it's it's a trope it is a trope but you know it's it, it's something that everyone can relate to. There's a reason that it's, that it works. It's like all the Hallmark movies out there. They all have the same deal because it works and, and <laughs> it, because it works and people like to hear that story. But yep. what, what I found really interesting about your book and and obviously I don't want to give it you know too much away, but you did have an, a very interesting dynamic between the family, especially the son and the yeah. mother, um, you know, and, and I'll let you talk about whatever you're willing to talk about Again, I don't want to yeah. give anything away, but I, but I did find it funny that you know, especially given what you just said, where you know th- there are, there are other authors who have said, or at least one other author who said that you know you, um, you row for bros, you know right. But in this case, the dad of the family was the most typical, stereotypical, I think, dad probably of all time. Like he is the yeah. the button up polo wearing, you know, <laughs> watch the game sort of like. But then the but you really spent a lot of time, you know featuring the mom telling the mom's story tell and then telling the son's story who had a really interesting story as well and the the daughter too but like I, i i really gravitated to the story of the mother and the son
3: yeah thank you thank you i really appreciate that and uh it's interesting those dynamics were really they grew out of what i wanted to do with the traditional haunted house build so in a lot of horror stories children are portrayed as like extraordinarily precocious. And when you actually read things in their POV, they don't think like kids, like this is the example I use all the time, but like Danny and the shining is written. Like he's a 42 year old man in a child's body. You know, like we all love Stephen King, but it's kind of true. Like, you know, and it's not just that there's so many examples of like people writing kids as miniature adults. It's so true. And I wanted to write a kid who was kind of poking fun at like the evil child trope a yeah. lot. Like that's a lot of my motivation with the book was just go, okay, let me like grab every horror trope and throw it in here and then like find ways to tweak them and do them differently. And I'd like to think from everything from a haunted house itself to evil kids or what have you, that I have I've contributed something to the genre by shifting things just a little bit askew from what we're used to.
0: At, at, well 100 and the other thing too is i think when from the beginning of the book to the end of the book you know sabrina i feel like evolves quite a bit right which i think yeah. is is also really kind of a cool thing because you know sometimes um you know and, and again like obviously i'm not a woman but i i hear oftentimes that what? you know when well <laughs> other than halloween and some other occasions <laughs> but but like you know um when male authors write females, you know, they often get like this, uh, like, well, uh, you, you clearly don't know what you're talking. And I, and I, I don't know because I'm a man, yeah. but I would say like, what's cool is you give Sabrina kind of this arc who, you know, she starts off. I feel like very ineffectual, you know, she's kind of like living a life that she doesn't love. Um, doesn't even really love her kid, you know. you know. We can cut that later if you're if you if you don't <laughs> want to give
3: that away. I um, mean, that's really from the very first page that that relationship is established. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't think that's a spoiler to say that her and the son have a very fraught relationship.
0: Right. Right.
3: But then as you get towards the end of the book,
0: she gains more agency. You know, she she develops she recognizes some of the feelings that maybe she didn't realize she had earlier on, and gets a little bit more strength than maybe we expected. Which, for me, you know, again, it, it's it was it, it's you could just have a slasher, you could just have a lot of horror, but you had character building too, which I thought was really interesting, and I and I enjoyed reading it.
3: Thank you, thank you. I I really I'm glad that you picked up on all those things. You know, my my deal with writing Sabrina was basically writing someone who she wasn't denied. The idea of different choices in her life she just chose not to make different choices right you know like it like it just kind of didn't occur to her that she could do anything other than act out this familiar path um and that's what's kind of at the core of a lot of her conflict is she just kind of ended like dr- let herself drift into this life and yeah. you know I, I like that you mentioned the agency because she does you know she's not a character who's like eventually, like at the end, I think she's not a characters blaming other people for her problems. You know, she's, she's recognizing her, her role in this, but um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun writing her. I like, I like writing characters who are, you know, obviously outside my own experience. And uh, you know, one of the things that's been the most validating is just the number of like moms who've contacted me or come up to me at a convention and just been like, you did a great job of writing this mother character. Nice. And that's you know, a, I, I'm like nailed it. Like that's weird. awesome. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure some people were like, you know, no, I I don't see myself in this, or like this isn't a well written character. But like enough have that, like it makes a real difference to me. Yeah, um, totally, totally. Well, you know, and I, 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 always. Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just gonna ask you how do how did you think about like the characters? Because from what you said, it doesn't sound like they were people from your life. So how would you like create the characters?
3: Well, so every character is a part of me in one way or another. There's no gain around it as a writer. And, you know, I think uh, like every every human being has essentially felt the same set of emotions at one point or another in different proportions. And so I think like, yeah, I know it's like to feel like I kind of drifted into a choice and feel, felt stuck in a situation, you know? And so like, how would I feel about that? Um, so I, I think the thing is like, I feel like when you write characters, when you write any, the rules for writing a character outside your experience are actually the same for writing a rule writing, writing characters inside your experience, and that is that they need to be characters. And so what I mean by that is I think people get themselves into a trouble a lot of the time by writing two-dimensional or one-dimensional characters, yeah. um, you, you know, who are there to serve the plot, who are there to serve, uh, you know, whatever the writer needs versus, like, someone who, like, I, I feel like if you can look at any character in a book and, and just articulate to yourself as a writer, what does this character want and how did they feel about being in this situation, right? Because, you know, let's say you have a scene set at 7-Eleven, right? And you're like, okay, how does the 7-Eleven clerk feel about being in this situation? Are they just so happy to be uh, selling Slurpees to people all day long? No. Like, you know, what is their, you know what's what's their motivation what's their motivation you know yeah. um, motivation, that's yeah. worth worth yeah. asking i think and yeah. i think i think as long as characters have have things that they want things that they need and things that they opinions that they have and that that's all if that comes across then they're going to feel real to people the other thing i like to say is that a character should not be surprised by their own circumstances that they've been living in and what i mean by that for example let's say that you're right. You like, we all have what, uh we all have five fingers on each hand, right? Yep. Yeah. How Again. dare oh, you? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <You
0: know. laughs> uh, uh, Four fingered folk take huge offense to this. <laughs> but uh,
3: but uh, by the quick, quick side, by the way, that reminds me once. So one of my lines I like to use at conventions when I'm selling books is like, yeah, I take cash, credit card and fingers. Um, you know, <laughs> And so one time, I just kind of like say that to this dude without thinking, without like even looking up from the table, and he holds up like a stump and goes, oh, it's, yeah. "I think it, he's like, I think it's gonna have to be uh it have to be American Express."
2: <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, bro, I'm so sorry." And he's
3: like, "No, no, it's okay." Like, obviously, he knew what I was I was doing a bit. but yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. like,
2: I, it, good, right? he knew like I didn't
3: like see it beforehand, so it wasn't like. You <laughs> know.
0: I love it. That, but, that uh, would be my favorite thing that I've heard. all. Week. That's pretty that's good.
1: good. That's going to be one of our marketing things. That'll for be, this. I, for <laughs> sure. I enjoyed that. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. So. But uh, yeah, what I was getting at there though is like, so if you're right, if you, you know, I have five fingers on each hand. If I'm writing a character who has like a hook for a hand, for example, um, that's going to change their life in lots of ways and make it dissimilar from mine. But like when that person wakes up in the morning, they're probably not going to look at the hook for a, a hand and go, oh, holy shit. I have a hook for a hand yeah. and every single sentence is about them having a hook for a hand. Right. It just yeah. becomes natural to them. And there might be individual experiences like, you know, if it's semi new and they go to reach for something, for example, or like, I don't know, it gets caught on something. I don't know. Like that, uh, you know, where it would come to the fore, but overall they're not going to walk around thinking about their hook for a hand. Same right. way. Like, you know, it's kind of like a men writing women thing where yeah. like, you know, women are kind of used to having breasts. <laughs> so, like, they, they don't stand in the mirror and marvel at their own breasts all the time, sure. you know? And so well, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like, like, all the shit that you do if you're transported to someone else's body yeah, Like yeah. is is shit that's like, they wouldn't do because it's completely normal to them. So that's kind of how I like to look at writing characters who are different from me, whether it's, like, different sex, different whatever, you know?
1: No, that's awesome, man. I mean, that makes sense like acting too. Like I mean, you have you have a character. If they walk into their own house, they're not going to be looking for the light switch. They're going to hey, know where it is because they they live there. They've been doing it, you know, every yeah. day. So That's yeah. that's a great
3: point. Yeah, uh, thinking about what information they have, yep. you know. And that that information the information the character has will be different than the information that the audience has, that other characters have, et cetera. And that just makes them even more of a unique person. That's a great example.
0: Cool. See, see, it's I mean it's it's interesting though because it's one of those things where where, what you said, Brian, and like what you said, Derek, it's it seems very, you know, like that makes that's obvious, right? But it's not though. Like for a lot of people, when you when you're when you're in this zone of trying to create fiction, yeah, right. you you get wrapped up in other things and you get wrapped up in description. You get wrapped up in other things that like that really take you out of what actually might be authentic to a character. Yeah. And, and, and Brian, you know, I, I know we talked a little about this a little bit before the show. I, uh, I just finished a hundred thousand word novel. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. Thank you. Brian.
3: Congratulations. That is Thank huge.
0: You. Thank you. Um, it is. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near the quality of what what I read in this book, but you know, I, I do think it's good. But I, I mean, the editing process that I'm going through right now, because um, I'm not done editing yet, it it's painful, man. Because I do see like me trying to be a little too descriptive here, and definitely getting more on the author's side than on the you know the actual character. What what would the character experience in this? And I'm right. sitting here as the author and trying to write this. So I mean. I love hearing what you're saying and I would take any advice that you have when it comes to trying to bring characters into a more authentic light.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to talk about this stuff. So first of all, congrats on finishing your novel. Um, honestly, you have like finishing a 100,000 word novel is a huge accomplishment and you have done more than most people who like get on Twitter and put like author in their profile handle. So like, <laughs> like it's it, like no joke. Like seriously, the ability to finish things is I, for me, that was a game changer when I finally finished that, like that first novel after years and years and years of like writing half of a book or writing like, you know, half of a short story or something. The second I actually was able to finish something it, like things clicked into place. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. I can, I can do another one of these now. <laughs> it's totally within the realm of possibilities. So um, yeah, that's super awesome. Dude, th- thank um, you. And
0: by the way, just, just to throw this in, I started this novel in 2011 and I wow. wrote probably like 10,000 words in like 2011 and it just went totally into like my Google Drive. I didn't even look at it Whoa. and I was cleaning out my Google Drive like in 2020, I think it was. And I saw it and I was like, and I read it. I read the 10,000 words that I had and I was like, I kind of like this. I think it's pretty yeah. good. Maybe I should just actually finish something, Dang, dude. And then yeah, then, dude. And then like four months. So That's thank wild. you very much. I appreciate it, man. Now Absolutely. I the editing process, I am nowhere near as fast as the writing process.
3: Yeah, I, I I totally get that, and it's like you know you just have to be happy like be happy with your own pace as long as you're working steadily at whatever you define as steadily. You know, I think you're ahead of the game, so don't stress too much about how fast you're going or not going. As long as you're able to, uh, you know, essentially set set aside time, maybe not every day, but on a on a cadence that you're happy with, like that's what you need to do. Um, and then as far as as you're going through and how to make things like a little more immediate. Um, one of my big hacks when I finish something is I do a find or, or use the find feature and I look for instances of words like saw, felt, mm. um, heard, things like that, right? So, uh, you know, I'm going to do a little Billy, Billy Bob Thornton like sling blade here, but like, mm, <laughs> some people call those filter words. I call them distance words. Um. And the thing is, those words create distance between the reader. And whatever character they're in the POV of. Now, is your is your book is it first 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 person POV or third person?
0: Uh, first person. <clears throat> okay. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Third person. Oh, third person. Okay, cool. beers, so you know, like don't, yeah. don't trust too much of what I say right now. But third yeah. person. But but see, the other part of it is, is I have like, I have six characters that we're kind of following. Okay. You know, I, I like to say it's like The Stand, but I also feel like a hack comparing it to The Stand.
3: You know, so but no, they- no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Now, use whatever comps make sense for your book. Yeah. Like, you know, when I when I hear someone say, "Well, my book is like uh, the stand meets the Smurfs" or something like that, like they're not actually telling me that their book is of the same quality as like the amazing series that was the Smurfs, right? Yeah. They're they're just telling me that it shares similar elements. So, like. Seriously, like, get that out of your head right, right. now, right. like, if you can, like, just, I appreciate just that, be vigilant of that and just go, like, no, if you write a book that's has X number of features, whatever, you can compare it to whatever. Um, but, yeah, so I think whether you're in first or third, I think especially in first, um, because anything that the the reader reads is something that the main character thought, saw, heard, felt, you really don't need those words in first. Um, now, I don't like to be too prescriptive with writing advice because, like, there's always an asterisk next to any piece of writing advice. So just place that visual asterisk next to everything I'm saying. But, yeah, I, th- I think in third, right, like, one of the things I try and do in fiction is really um, put, is really create a bond between the, the reader and the characters, right? And so I think, you know, when I say something like, you know, Stu heard the door slam shut. Right. Like the reader is picturing Stu hearing this. Whereas if I say the door slammed shut, they no Stu's in the room and they're just hearing the door slam shut. Right. It's just a Love little it. more immediate. Um, so that that's like definitely one hack I like to use uh, to that. Do, do that. The other the other thing is if you have multiple POVs going on, uh, I always like to say if you're gonna reveal a big piece of information in the plot the reader should be in the POV of the character who's receiving that information for the first time yeah. whenever possible. Yes. Right. Like it's just more interesting. I, so that totally, that totally makes sense. It totally
0: makes sense. Yeah. So, so are you noticing anything in horror fiction at all around more first person than third person? Does it seem to be going kind of in that
3: direction? Yeah. I've actually heard feedback uh, from, I, I don't know how much I can really say, but I've I've kind of heard that um, third-person and multi, multi-POVs, there are certain elements uh, within the publishing industry who are maybe not as friendly to those things as they used to be. <laughs> I'm not sure. This is just really observational, uh, but I, I think there might be an int- more of an interest in either first-person or close third with limited with limited POVs. Um mm. with like a single POV.
0: That's um do? rewrite. Rewrite. But just
3: trends come and go. Yeah. Right. And so that's my other piece of advice is don't write the trends. Yeah. Like start the trend. You yeah. Know, and, and that, I, I, th- I, th- I think it is worth looking at the market and figuring out like, okay, right. there are certain types of things that are perhaps passe or perhaps harder sells. And depending on what genre you want to do, like if you're really trying to write airport fiction, um, there are certain things that you probably don't want to write like an epistolary book. Um, if you really want to write like, you know, a a, a, thr- a techno thriller or something like that. Right? right. But that doesn't mean you can't. Um It's just a matter of like reading, both reading widely and then reading deeply in in the genres that you're interested in writing and figuring out what's going on, what makes books work. And, you know, if there's a big rash of first person books about goblins or something like that, right? Like, that's probably not what you want to be writing. That doesn't mean write a first person (laughs) book about goblins. It means write a third person book about fucking orcs or something. I don't know.
0: Well, guess I got to cancel that second novel that I'm already <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Ah, You know, I do you like do. goblins, though. You do, man. You no, do. That, that's great advice, though, man. I mean, I, I appreciate it. And, and you're totally right. I mean, trends come and go. You can't write to the trends. You got to you got to write like what what you feel, yep. you know, how yeah. can you be most authentic? And for yeah. me, you know, it happens to be that way. But, you know who who knows
3: yeah i think as long as you're writing what you yourself are most interested in and want to read like that's how you succeed yeah right like i, I know, like i like i don't i do think strategically to some degree but i also just kind of go okay what do i really want to write you know what stories are calling to me um what can i what books can i write that are not like anything anyone else writes i'm not saying my books are better than anyone's i'm just saying that I truly believe that every book I've released is not something someone else could write.
0: Yeah. I. You know what? I, I love that. I mean, I've been reading horror novels since I was a teenager, right? And <clears throat> I don't think I've ever read anything like
2: this. Yeah. Thank
0: and, you. Uh, for those, if we, if we do put this on video, just so you guys can see it, not only is the title amazing, man, fuck this house. I want to say it again. And mom, just so you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm not just saying fuck because I want to say fuck. It's the title of the book, just to be clear. okay. But also yeah, on top of that fucking title of the book, it's man, fucking fuck title this house. house. <laughs> okay. But also one of the things that really I think is cool about this book is the illustration on the front. Yeah, I, I mean, love, it's the simplicity, but also like the kind yeah, of the conceptualism, the reflection of the yeah.
3: Yeah. I have to, I have to, I have to credit Matthew revert for doing that because, uh, it's a real, it's a real banger of an image. And, uh, you know, he knocked it out of the park with the cover.
0: Super cool. Fantastic.
3: Fantastic.
1: And that's, and that's a book too. You walk, you just walk by and if you see it, you're like, Whoa, what is that? For one, the title you're like, okay, I got to see what this is about. That's awesome. And then just the, you know, the simplicity, but not at the same time of the cover. Like it's, it just draws you in, really, there's really well. Something
0: wrong with this house by the bottom of the on the yeah. top. Yep. Yeah. On the top of this picture. Yep. This house looks perfect. Yep. It looks like a great house, but there's something rotting underneath. Yep. I love that.
3: Yep. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's it's been really cool to see the response. Um, it does really well in bookstores. Um, just I don't know how many uh, booksellers have told me about how it just kind of they have trouble keeping it in stock because it just the 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 cover just yells at people you know from across the aisle yeah and, and by the way really cool <laughs> I,
0: I saw i saw you know i follow you on twitter that's actually how i reached out to you <clears throat> i saw you retweet i think something either today or yesterday uh someone said uh brian you know that now there's going to be a tidal wave of horror books with uh with a title of it with fucking it yeah
2: uh, horror-
3: yeah, Again, that, that was uh, David Blackwood, who is the author of a book called Cuts You Up, which is a really fun, like, goth slasher. Um, it's like a gothic fairy tale slasher set partially in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, and today. Um, and so if you like, if people like, you know, uh, Concrete Blonde and Bauhaus and shit like that, um, and I slashers, that. I would say go check out Cuts You Up by David Blackwood.
0: Cool. Cuts you up by David right. Blackwood. We'll Absolutely, out, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have to check out that book, and that was a very keen observation on his part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I know we got to get to the beer soon because I'm running low on my pre gamer. Just see, so <laughs> I brought like, a backup. Is... Oh,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> 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 is that vodka? It's a little gin. <laughs> it's a little Moscow mar- <laughs> on My glass,
2: so, so Brian. You're...
0: Brian, just just in case you didn't know, <laughs> um, if you. It, it... <laughs> He is a huge, Derek is a huge advocate of Ryan Reynolds. I, I oh, Nice. I, I love would that guy. Say, I would say he's in love with him. He has a beautiful wife upstairs, a beautiful child. But I do believe Ryan Reynolds might be his third love, uh, which puts me at like number four.
1: If he came over, I'd be fine with a little sandwich. So,
0: <laughs> so that, I guarantee you, he just said there was gin in there. I guarantee you it's aviation. <laughs> oh, it's a 100% aviation. <laughs> <gym>. <laughs> Nothing else comes in this house. All right. So before we get to the beers that we want to talk about today. Um, I did want to just mention Brian, you have another book coming out in Ooh, yes. Well, yeah. We have uh I think we'll probably publish this uh podcast in like a week or so. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I would say that. Your book will be coming out in about two weeks. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
3: Yep, absolutely. It's called Return of the Living Elves. It comes out November twenty ninth. Uh you can you can pre order it right now. It's on either through Amazon um your local bookseller or through my website com slash merch and all the books from my website will come signed and have cool like stickers and bookmarks and things like that um Love it. but yeah so it's a it, as you can probably guess from the title it's a christmas horror book um it's got elf zombies Uh, It's really tongue-in-cheek. It's uh, a bit of a tribute to Return of the Living Dead. So um, like that particular film, it starts off in a warehouse. This is a Christmas warehouse instead of a medical supply warehouse. Um, And it's got these two warehouse employees who uh, find a crate of mysterious snow globes and one cracks open, releasing a zombie elf hybrid who goes nuts. And then things really start to diverge from the... uh, the original film from that point on uh, on out uh, things go in some very weird and unexpected directions, which you've read. If you've read one of my books, you know, that's kind of what happens. So uh, of of the the Living Elves. Elves. I love yeah. it. Dude. I'm there. Right. I, okay. After this, just, I'm putting in so a pre-order. Audience
0: knows, okay. What would you prefer us to buy it from?
3: Oh, um, I'm There's no wrong way to buy my books. Um, if you prefer an ebook, there are like venues where you can get that. Um, if you buy it from the website, honestly, I make the most money if you buy it from my website. But if you buy it from Amazon it feeds the algorithm. And if you buy it from a local independent bookstore, it helps support amazing independent bookstores. So uh, if you, if you buy a copy from like each of those places, that's probably your best bet.
0: Oh, See, look yeah, at we'll that. do that it's yeah. a win all the way to win yeah. all the way so basically <laughs> brian what you're saying though is don't buy from amazon
3: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah or, like so, I, like honestly like buy from indie indie bookstores for sure but you know uh if you buy from amazon it feeds the, feeds, feeds the algorithm more people discover my books so again there's really no whatever's most convenient for you there's no wrong way to buy my books
1: no. We, we got to get that, man, because that sounds freaking awesome.
3: I'm going to pre-order so, from his
1: website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you.
0: you. Signature, can... and I want the sticker. Oh, wait. I don't so, know what the sticker is. So you
1: get the signature if you buy from your website. If we buy from Amazon, we don't.
3: Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you buy paperback okay. off of Amazon, it does not come signed. Okay. Um, if, if you buy from my website, it does. If you wander into cool indie bookstores like Verbatim Books and North Park in San Diego, uh, you can often find signed copies of my stuff there as well.
0: And by the way, so before my wife and I moved from San Diego to Vegas, we lived in North Park.
3: That oh, was nice. the spot, man. That
2: yeah. was the spot. So dude, I,
3: uh, you would dude. lose your mind if you saw what's happened to it since. So <laughs> they bought the space next door and opened up another massive room. Um, and it is super cool now. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, are you are, are, are you guys gonna like make
0: out now or like what's
3: going on over there?
0: Eric literally stepped over the cord. And literally, it is dark in the room. Ra- you can't see us right now. If we're, there's, there's probably not going to be a video of this episode, but if it is, if there is, it's fantastic. There we go. Look, we're back.
2: Which brings us
0: to the fear. Well, first, yeah. let Brian finish the story because I got I got totally uh, <laughs> brought to, you, to you, his fear.
3: Um, oh, sorry. yeah. Yeah. So they just opened, they, they uh, recently last couple of years bought the space next door and then opened a new room. And so they had this, like this beautiful, gorgeous room that's like just tricked out and like, you know, it's really open, um, filled with books and they have all kinds of cool furniture. It's very, it's become a very like, you know, like Instagram worthy, like spot. Now they have a cool mural on the outside, um, where there are always people taking photos out there. So if you get back to San Diego, Go check it out; it will blow your mind.
0: Cool. I I, I got to go back. Yeah. I got to go back. Speaking of going back, I'm going to go back to the bathroom because I got to pee again. Jesus, man! Um, why do we take drink it over there? Why do we take a... <laughs> You're not wearing your diapers. I might have had two beers. I got mine, before though. I came over. Um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take a break. Let's take a break. When we get okay. back, we'll talk about the beers. Yep. Hit and the then, fear, uh, and then we'll talk about the fear.
3: I love it. Wow. Sounds wow. good. Wow. I'm going to top off my uh, my booze all right perfect
0: an ode to Pepto oh Pepto Bismo how majestic and pink with you by our side it matters not how many beers we drink when Derek has a sour and waits for an hour because of you his toilet won't stink Pepto Bismo sponsoring the show since well maybe tomorrow all right, uh, we're back.
1: We're back. We are back. Thank you, Pepto. My tummy feels good already. Yeah,
0: Derek, you know what? I'm glad that uh you've really taken to Pepto. Yeah, uh, because even though they're not a sponsor of the show yet, uh, I, I feel like we're right around we're we're on the cusp. We're right on the cusp. We're on the cusp. They're just they're just they're just, just-
1: like when you're on the toilet and needing Pepto. On the cusp,
0: yeah. Because when you're <laughs> running to the bathroom, yep, and you're on the
1: cusp, you're
0: on the cusp. If you had taken a little bit of Pepto, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be dealing with that.
1: Boom! Sponsoring so. us since whenever you guys do. Thank That's you. Right.
0: Since 2023. <laughs> um, so we're right around the corner. Anyway, hey, uh, this has been a great conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised he's still with us. It's I, great.
0: I am too, but honestly, I'm a, I'm surprised that every, any guest stays with us more than like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, but look. It's time to drink some beer. I think so. It's time to drink some beer. And so if you're listening at home, um, you probably don't know yet. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, We are not in the room with Brian. Brian is not with us in Las Vegas. (sighs) Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Shocker. See, that? that Brian, that's a mid-story twist. Yep. You know (laughs) know all about this. It's like
3: Shyamalanian, basically. Oh, Shyamalan.
0: Uh, We haven't talked about it at all, but yes, he is in Southern California. We are in Las Vegas. Yep. The good thing about this is Brian comes from San Diego originally, so he knows his beer. He knows Um, his shit when it comes to beer. So we brought our own beer. We did. We brought a beer that we haven't tried before. Yep. Brian also brought one of his favorite beers. Yep. So we did a coin toss before the episode, and Brian gets to do his review first. Yep. So, Brian, what did you bring to the show today?
3: Ah, oh, fantastic! Well, I brought a beer called Zillados, and it is from a brewery called Horace Aged Ales in Oceanside, California. Um, and so, they do a lot of barrel aged stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, mostly stouts. They do sours as well. Um, they started playing around with like some like kind of mead type things, oh. I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's one, one guy, one guy, I believe, does everything. And uh, they've been out for a number of years. Um, it's an interesting brewery because they don't have a tasting room on site or anything. Um, they ex- pretty much ex- exclusively sell bottles and do collaborations with various breweries around the country. So they've done stuff with, like, I know, uh, Great Notion okay. in uh, Portland. They've done stuff, I believe, with Bottle Logic in Anaheim and a, a bunch of other cool breweries just all around the country um and so this particular beer it's a barrel aged stout, uh imperial style uh it's got hazelnuts it's got vanilla it's got some coffee and it is very big full complex and just goddamn delicious i yeah, love I'm,
0: it i'm looking at it right now and while you're taking a sip i'm looking it's it as a very dark beer it's, it's very, got a very good like, foam head
1: it looks like root beer from here which is like awesome, like a dark
0: root beer, you it, know, it, it looks like a Guinness. Yeah. Me, oh, man. there you like go. A, yeah, yeah. Like a little bit it's of like a, way better. it's got a Guinness color, although, you know, you never know what's coming through the computer screen, yep. but it looks really good. Okay. Yeah. So you just took a sip. So tell us about what you've just experienced
3: yeah uh it's amazing it's definitely a little bit on the sweeter side kind of the okay. dessert in the glass type thing okay. uh and uh but it's it's uh it's very high alcohol it's like 14 oh! uh, percent so it's Damn. got just a very complex flavor that just kind of keeps going
0: i love that so brian's going to be drunk by the end of this yep. episode when he finishes <laughs> that, that. what
3: do you mean going to be
0: <laughs> no,
1: no, Brian. Do you feel every every like the vanilla notes, the hazel notes, all going down the throat?
3: You know, I don't have the most complex palate in the world. I just know it's very, very good. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, you can definitely pick out the individual like you know hints of vanilla, and yeah. you can definitely taste the hazelnuts and everything like that. The coffee, um, I'm not picking up as much. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm. It's still there. It's kind of like like base. It's like base or something. You know.
0: You know, Derek, Derek, cool. Derek. You know, I've gone keto. Yeah. So when
3: he talks just about the sweeter
0: wild. notes, that just makes me sad. I just miss yeah. that. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stu, <laughs>
1: Stu would be one I could call any time of the day. It could be three a.m. Stu, let's get a beer. Sure.
0: I would have done it. And yeah, now it's like Stu, let's go get a beer. <sighs> I'm on keto. I don't know. I don't, know. Oh, I,
2: don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't. I you look, man. You know, keto is a, is a it's a great diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: <what> it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, sad, lonely mm-hmm. lifestyle. But you know what? But look, at the same time, here I am drinking an IPA. Yep. Right? I guarantee yeah. you, Brian, things, because uh, of Brian. This guy's yep. this got well more carbs. Cheers, Brian. Cheers, cheers, cheers fellas. Cheers. Mm. We got to look for
1: this beer here and see so, if they have yeah, it. So
0: I was going to say, so Horace, I mean, I thought I knew all the San Diego breweries, although I have, I'm, gosh, I've lived in Vegas for 12 years, man. Hey, you're, you're losing it, man. I, I have San Diego tattooed on my arm, and I don't even feel San Diegan anymore. If it's on Is your it? butt, it'd be different.
3: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Is that what I'm? You missed? feel it every day. Every day. <laughs>
0: Golly. Okay, uh, you're right. Okay, but I've never heard of Horace. So, um, ha- like, so you said there's no tap room or anything like that. Like, you can't go there and just sit there and
3: have a have a pint or anything like nope. that. Nope. No, yeah, it's it's uh, it's like I don't know. This is gonna sound douchey, but like it's pretty exclusive. Like there's like a waiting list to get into their bottle club. Like luckily, I got in this year. Um, All their beers are definitely on the pricey side, but in my opinion, highly worth it. Um, I think if you want to try their beers, the best thing that you can do is just kind of keep an eye out for local breweries and see if there are any collaborations going on. Uh, yeah. fo- follow them on Instagram because they're constantly posting about what breweries they're doing collabs with. Cool. Um, yeah,
0: I think you mentioned like beer zombies, beer zombies before the show.
3: Yeah. I'm pretty sure they did something with beer zombies at one point. Okay. Um, and like I said, I know for sure they've done uh, stuff with the great notion before. Uh, That's actually uh, the first first time I met the brewer, and I I can't remember his name. I think his name's Kyle. Um, First time I met him, I was up in Portland for something else, and saw they're doing an event at Great Notion, and Jed over there, and had like I think they had like three or four uh, beers um, at that event. It was really awesome. Um, He also, um, I don't this was a couple years ago, but he brewed a special beer for uh, Disneyland. So in California Adventure, if you went to the Lamplight Lounge, you could have one of the horse stouts there. Um, Uh, But yeah, it's kind of hard to track down. But if you follow his Instagram, like you can figure out like where stuff is available.
0: No shit. Okay. That's super cool. Because didn't Carl Strauss used to do the brewing for like California Adventure or something like that? Yeah,
3: yeah, um, and I, I think now they've gone in more of a direction of having more like local Anaheim stuff, uh, because Anaheim is really, really strong in the brew game these days. Mm. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with any of the Anaheim breweries, but honestly, like, like just pound for pound, Anaheim is knocking it out of the park these days. <laughs> um, yeah, so they've got they've got like Green Cheek, Bottle Logic. The brewery, B R U the Brewery, who is one of like kind of the big originators of the barrel-aged stout stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, and then they've got a bunch of other smaller, awesome breweries over there. Um, and they're just doing really cool shit. But like that's one of my favorite places to go, actually, is just go hit Anaheim and go to like the dozens of breweries that they have around there now.
0: No kidding. All right. Okay, all right, hang on. So I gotta ask you this because you were a guy who knows his beer and and yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that more than a lot of things because it tells you a lot about a person who understands the breweries around them. Yep. Okay, so you talked about going to Portland, Anaheim, San Diego. Best beer beer scene
3: hands down in your opinion. Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, like uh, people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but right now Anaheim Wow, wow, dude. Okay,
1: and Damn. you got you got a local dude saying this, and and
3: and honestly, the reason for that is because the just because of the sheer number of very high quality breweries that are all packed together in a couple square miles in Anaheim, like I'm, you know, I'm sure, like Stu, you've been to Birammar before in San Diego, yeah. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of great breweries there. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know. I just find like you know, just pound for pound uh anaheim is definitely like the place to be for breweries that all have at least one thing that's world-class
0: wow Mm, see okay okay. that's awesome man that's solid that's solid. okay i love that let me me ask you this though just a follow-up question because i'm with you you know i'm not i'm not it doesn't have to be san diego i would have said san diego but you know (laughs) anyway so but you mentioned pound for pound okay per capita okay have you ever been to bend oregon
3: no i haven't i've only i've been to portland i've been to the oregon coast but i've not yet been to bend so bend uh
0: the reason i ask because portland obviously has great beer too i mean it was one of the best beer scenes in the world yeah san diego one of the best beer scenes in the world um bend if if oregon was uh a dartboard bend would be a bullseye it it is right in the middle of the state okay okay? my my dad grew up in bend okay it is a small town. It's like maybe 120,000 people. Probably, It's probably grown since, uh, since I last went there. We went there about maybe five years ago. But I remember my dad wanted us all to go family trip, right? And he goes, we're going to Bend, Oregon, you know. And my dad still, you know, my family still lives in San Diego. So we're like, oh, got to waste our vacation days going to the middle of Oregon. Like, what the hell is it? But it, you know what? First of all, beautiful outdoors. Amazing place but also the most breweries per capita in America in Bend, Oregon. So they have like 120,000 people there. It's like 26 breweries. Wow. It's insane. Jesus. It's insane. That is
1: crazy. The, the BPC on that. It's breweries per capita.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't
0: getting that. I'm glad you said that. Um, you, no, totally. I mean, so, so, but Brian, to your point, you know, in Anaheim, you're saying like these breweries all have like world class beers, at least one or so. I, I wouldn't necessarily say like Bend, every single brewery had a great beer, but a lot of them did. You know, a lot of them had some yeah. pretty solid beers. And you can't, I mean, you can't turn a corner without running into a brewery, and they're all unique. That's see,
1: that's pretty awesome, man. I I like that.
3: Yeah, right. that's why I like going to Austin because when you go to Austin, so many of the breweries have are they're still brewing older beer styles it's like oh if you want to have like a marzen or something like that you can yeah. find that places like it's cool it's like the the oversaturation of ipas is definitely I, I think we're at like the kind of the tail end of that actually i think that's starting to change um, and like i love ipas don't get me wrong there it's a great beer when done well and uh you know i like like a good hazy ipa is my favorite like you know hot yeah. day drinker you oh, know yeah. like you know oh, nice yeah. af- afternoon beverage yeah um nice session yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice session beer yeah exactly yeah although some of them now are <laughs> doing like triple <laughs> ipas i've seen fucking quadruple ipas and <laughs> it's just crazy. insane like uh like i had one that was like 12 or 13 percent and yeah. It, yeah. it was it was too much like uh it was too much for an ipa yeah
1: well dude speaking of speaking of uh, triple, of quadruple IPAs. I think the beer that we have today is a triple IPA. Woo! See? Right?
3: No. Not messing around.
1: What is it? It is a Belgian style tripel. Oh, Belgian style tripel. What? Are, what? Are we, oh, is the one we're drinking our pre-gaming? Our triple IPA? Yeah,
0: but don't say that
1: live. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, perfect. <laughs> we'll cut that. But
0: wow. Yeah, we've been drinking. So, so we are okay. drinking. In fact, two of the, the breweries Jesus. that we mentioned over the last conversation. This is a collaboration between Abel Baker and Astronomy. Yep. It's nice. It's called Gamma Ray Burst. It is a uh, Belgian style triple. Um, and it that, what's the percentage? Does it say the percentage?
1: Let's look. It's up there 10%. 10%
0: yep so brian's got us beat you got you got, yeah, us beat. You got a big i mean look. you
1: got the yeah, 14 percenter holy cow God, yeah, well done. well done <laughs> you ever had vikings blood brian
3: <laughs> yes i have yeah it's that's fun that's did it fun. make
1: you lose yeah. your recollection of time and space <laughs> a,
3: a little bit yeah a little bit I, I will say the most intense beer i've ever had um and i still have a bottle of this that i've been cellaring for almost four years now uh, is called Fundamental Forces from Bottle Logic in Anaheim. It's cl- it's close to 20%. Oh, my God. Uh, and the, oh, yeah. the first time I had it, they do an event every year, at least they did before COVID, called Week of Logic, um, where they just, like, turn the parking lot into, like, a big festival, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, they'll have, like, just different beers at different different bars all over the place, you know? But yeah. they'll do. They'll they'll break out all their like you know all their secret stuff, um, you know all their legacy stuff. Just like break it all out. And so it was like a warm day, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll try that fundamental forces. And I tried like four or five other like strong barrel aged beers. And uh, yeah, I was definitely in bed at like 9 o'clock that night. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> well, yeah. done. well done. Well done. That yeah. sounds
0: like a great day.
1: It does.
3: Great. Uh, it was it was fantastic. Not gonna lie. have have you
1: ever tried the sam adams utopia that comes out uh
3: no i've heard that's the one that's like super high abv too right yeah yeah Yeah.
1: it's i want to say it's high 20s if not 30s Mm. it's supposed to be like it's the 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 highest abv for a beer because the way they brew it supposedly i guess it's they consider it a beer because of how it's made yeah but i don't know i feel like it's still more of like a but it's it's wild. Like you remember Freaking Frog when Freaking Frog was here? Yeah, they had it and they would mm-hmm. do shots of it for like thirty five bucks a shot.
0: Thirty five bucks <laughs> a shot of beer.
1: Yep. But it was that. I mean, it was that. That's high crazy. content.
0: Well, yeah. you know, do you, do you know brew dog, Right. Uh,
3: I've heard of Brewdog. Yeah.
0: I think yeah. they're actually opening a brewery in, in yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Several years ago, it was back in like two thousand eight. They um they came out with a beer, but they only made like. Six, six packs of it, or something like that. what? and it was basically it, it was basically whiskey, yeah. but it apparently had a beer the, the it, way it, they brewed it or it or was whatever, essentially probably. a beer, yeah, but it was also essentially a whiskey. and um, and what they did was they they bottled it. They bottled a six pack of bottles, but every bottle came in a um taxidermied roadkill oh so like it had was awesome, oh my it, God, it, it was like a squirrel. And if you're not watching the video, you're not going to see this. But like, there's a squirrel. Like, ah, are you ah, serious?
3: Ah. And would you like drink
1: the out of the squirrel's bottom, mouth? Yeah. The oh my god,
3: be, that's fucking nuts.
0: It would just stick a little bit out of the squirrel's mouth, and it and but it was like forty five percent or something like that. It was Jeez. nuts. It was okay. insane. I mean, that's freaking crazy wild. But they sold it for seven hundred dollars a six pack. Ooh. It was insane. That's some. Jesus. And there were only six of them. So I mean. I think they ended up selling them for a lot more than $700. And it's like the exclusivity thing, right? Like, what if we said only three people can listen to this podcast? We, <laughs> might, we might make like three bucks a piece. We might.
1: Yeah. Is that <laughs> yep. All right. So I got to tell you this gamma ray burst. Okay. So yeah. the intersection of astronomy and atomic energy, gamma ray burst. In the 1960s, the USA launched top secret satellites to detect gamma radiation from Soviet warhead testing. Scientists recorded numerous gamma bursts, but they, wow, that's a word I haven't said. Oh, uh, okay, let's restart. Scientists recorded numerous gamma bursts, but they emanated from an extraterrestrial origin. Declassified in the 1970s, astronomy astronomers discovered the bursts were the result of supernova and black hole collisions. This trapel won't explode in your glass, but it will burst with the traditional Belgian characteristics you love. Fruity esters, spicy fennels, and noticeable alcohol. This brew might take you to new worlds, but won't leave you stranded because its recipe is based on real science.
0: Ooh. I don't... No, you're welcome. What thank you, by the way. <laughs> thank kidding. you. I don't know what esters or phenols
1: are. Is it the esters yeah. and phenol? Is that ha, does that have to do with the like the smell and stuff? I don't know. I'm not really into it, Brian. I, I have you. no idea.
3: I'm, I'm not here. that conversant, unfortunately.
0: Well, <clears throat> apparently, there are fruity esters and spicy phenols. I have no idea what they may be, but.
1: They're there. <laughs> they are there. If, if you're someone who likes fruity esters and
0: phenols, f- 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 spicy f- f- phenols. Spicy f- get this. <laughs> well, Brian, we'll we'll cheers to you with your uh with your oceanside beer. Yes. With Excellent. our Las Vegas beer from Abel Baker and mm, astronomy, uh, astronomy, and yours from uh Horace.
1: Yep. Cheers. cheers. Man, I love that. Oh. Mm, that's actually hard. really smooth for 10%.
0: I haven't had a, a Belgian style in a long time. Jesus. To be honest. That's dangerous, dude. That's that's uh, dangerous. Well, I feel like that's the problem with, with Belgian style beers. Now, do you experience and Brian, this question applies to you as well. Yep. Belgian style, massive hangover or is it just me?
3: Uh, no. God damn it. Yeah, although, although, although to be fair, I haven't really had enough of them. Um, to know if it would give me a hangover or not mm. in a long time. All right. We should do a hangover episode. I don't I don't really get hangovers. I've heard that's a sign of alcoholism, but like yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't get hungover.
1: You and Derek both. No, no, no. My dad, my dad doesn't guys? get hangovers.
3: This
2: I get
0: hangovers like crazy.
3: I didn't get no. that gene.
0: Hundred percent. Okay. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow right. hurting. Yeah, all right. You know, but you you still do not get hangovers the way that most people get hangovers.
1: I vomit and I'm good to go. <laughs>
2: it's like a, it. you, yeah, you like a 21 year old yeah you get hangovers like a 21 year old but
1: fine. Uh, dude i enjoy this this is actually really good good job guys
0: good job abel baker good job manos in the shun Mino works
2: yeah, yeah.
1: you Matt it?
0: because the uh the two breweries who made this beer yep. we've had them both on before From the show Matt, Brady. james manos yep you guys are awesome. We are a big fan of the Gamma Ray burst. This Belgian style. Honestly, I, I don't know the right terminology, I think, to describe it. It's got a little bit of a sweet it, whatever that Belgian taste yeah. is that comes through uh with most Belgian beers. It always uh,
3: tastes like bananas to me.
0: Yeah, you know I what? think That's a good I'll description. Give you that. That's a great I that's description. A, I think that's a very good description. Um the Belgian bananas. <laughs> the Belgian bananas. <laughs> the Belgian bananas. Like the, you know what actually uh <laughs> I went to. I, I lived in Flagstaff for a couple of years, and um, they had a they had a brewery there. They had a, a an award winning Hefeweizen. Yeah, um, but it was banana based, Ooh. and that was Ooh. probably one of the best beers I've ever had. And actually, oh, yeah. it a little Belgian. So well, there you go. I, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed Hell it. Yeah. Good job, I, I,
3: I actually love banana and stouts. Um, like uh, bottle, like bottle logic the brewery. I keep talking about. They did a uh, imperial, a barrel imperial style a couple years ago with banana notes in it, called Equivalent Dose. That's one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. It was like chocolate and banana, and was just so like, oh.
0: it's like a banana split.
3: Yeah, it was wild,
0: oh, gee, that dude. Sounds great. That sounds great.
3: All right,
1: you know what else sounds great? It really doesn't because it's going to be scary. But spectacular, mm. uh,
0: Spooktacular.
1: Spook-tacular. By, by the way,
0: just so the audience knows, uh, what Derek is alluding to, we are it, about to jump into Ryan's
2: fear, 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 fear.
0: But before we do, yep. I just want to say this episode probably won't publish until like mid-November. But it is the day after Halloween. Yep. Okay.
1: It is yep. it's the day after Halloween. So is is that Dia's? Dios dos
3: oh, Damn it. I can't it. Los there you go.
0: Yeah. See, he's from South Dakota. He yeah, I can't. I can't yeah, so.
1: yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have we'll have one of one of one of the San Diegans say that, say anything we need to. That's Perfect. Right. Thank you. That's needed. You. <laughs> we got you, you
0: We got you with it. you. Perfect.
3: All right. Quick roundtable before we go to Brian's fear. Yep.
0: What were you guys for Halloween? Brian.
3: Uh, I was a vampire. My girlfriend Catherine and I uh, just put on some capes and cruised around on uh, on Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevard up here in LA. Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds
0: fantastic. That sounds man. Great. Yeah, blood on the teeth or no blood on the teeth?
3: You, you know, uh, no, no blood. We uh, kind of just, you know, just put on capes and just did it. You know, I love we, it. I love we, 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 we feel like we bring like a like. You know, our personalities exude, like, vampirism. So, like, stuff like, you know, fake I teeth or blood, we didn't really think we needed.
2: All right. Yeah. 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 yeah a, a couple of people drove
3: by and yelled, hey, Dr. Strange at me. Um, and then I murdered them.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus.
1: <laughs> I love it. That's love awesome, it. man. Derek? Yeah. Uh, me, my wife, and my one-year-old little boy, we were the Krugers. Uh, nice. Because my last name is Krueger, Perfect. And yet I have never dressed up as Freddy Krueger. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's just silly. But now that, you know, a little family, I'm like, okay,
0: this nice. works.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we
0: all dressed up as Freddy Krueger. So
3: nice. Yeah.
0: And I was there to witness it and it was very cute. It was cute. So everyone knows what we're used to. Well, so I was, uh, I was deaf um, for like five seconds, but the mask that I got over my face was, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't see, so (laughs) I was ask for literally five seconds. I took a picture, and then I and then I put a shirt on that my wife bought me that had a ghost on it. So you're a ghost. I was a ghost. Perfect. Yeah, but not a good ghost. Like it was, it wasn't a good ghost. It was like, it was like a dad wearing, you know, shorts and a ghost. Hey man, you're a ghost. Yeah, own it.
2: (laughs) All right. All right,
0: All right. Quick break, and then. Brian's Fear. Now we all know the things that Pepto can do. It cures nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, and of course, diarrhea. But what can't Pepto do? We recently found out that Pepto is not a good replacement for laundry detergent, unless it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Watering your plants, although my orchid can now carry on full-on conversations. And last but not least... Pepto should never be used for cocktail mixers, no matter how tasty it looks. Pepto-Bismol. Use only as directed. Unless, of course, you're a maniac. All right. Then we're back. We're, we're, back. we're back. We're back, everybody.
1: We're back. Derek, You, Derek you is know up, what time it is.
0: His creepy voice. Yeah. It's t-
1: to well, to that scare sounded her. a
0: little scare Porny. Off, yes. That was... <laughs> I think you grew
1: a mustache. (laughs) I I did right there. Now I went away. Oh, man.
0: All right. Well, another good thing,
1: though, you know, Pepto, after a hard day shoot, Pepto, help you with your stomach issues. Helps you not grow a mustache. (laughs) Thanks, Pepto. You didn't take your Pepto. (laughs) take
0: your your fucking Pepto.
1: All right. But I think we're on the best things, too, which I'm really excited because Brian writes, you know, scary stories. He writes scary books. If like Ryan
0: wh- writes scary books.
1: Like what is he afraid of? Because he's writing about it. So I feel like he can't be
3: afraid of anything. Yeah. But is he? I don't know. Oh, I'm fucking afraid of everything. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, And honestly, most horror writers are like, that's <laughs> why we become horror writers so that we can like confront our fears, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Like everyone, I, everyone I know is like very much like, yeah, I'm sort totally, like a huge scaredy
2: cat. Like, yep.
3: You know, we're not just sitting here, like, all, like, tough and shit, whatever, like, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my fear is I'm going to go with heights, but a specific version of it.
0: Oh, and oh, so
3: it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, like, all, like, you know, like, fancy on you right now. But oh, okay. in French, there's a concept called la peur du vide, or the call of the void. And so, essentially, if you've ever been, like, on a balcony high up or something like that, and it kind of just occurs to you, like, oh, shit. Like, I could easily jump off of this thing right now.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, totally, dude. Yeah. Like,
3: and it's one of those things that's scary as fuck because, like, you're like, you know, like, you're not, it's not a suicide thing. Like, it's more just realizing the possibility of how easy it would be. And it's scary as fuck.
1: Dude, yeah, that's. Shit. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. That's that gives sure. me goosebumps now because yeah you're just hanging out on a balcony wait, wait, wait. that could be really
0: high wait wait, wait. and you yeah. don't <sighs> no but, but, but I yes but I but I had that exact moment yeah okay like and 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 you just you gave a name to it you just made me feel a whole lot better like I wasn't the only one you know, I was flying back from Hawaii and. I was sitting in the emergency row, right? So I, I'm sitting yeah. at that emergency door. And there's that, the handle yeah. that's behind this little plastic thing, but you can reach it yeah. Under, underneath. Yeah, you can tell. Your whole book. thing is, they and they ask you before the flight, like, hey, do you are you willing to take this responsibility to open sure. the door? No, I'm gonna show. Like, for yeah. the leg room? Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there on a six-hour flight. And, I mean, I wasn't looking at it for all six hours, but I was looking at it quite a bit, and I'm, I'm just like, holy shit i could literally reach up pull that down yeah and end everybody everything everybody everything like yeah not that again to your point it's not suicide it like it's not a suicidal it's it's more of just like the like what would you call it like what would you call that thought process yeah lapel
3: du vide i love um, that man yeah like, it's 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 a really bizarre thought process um and i don't know like i've read about it before i can't remember exactly where it, where it comes from um but yeah it's it's kind of it's crazy um by the way feel free to edit this part out right here yeah. but um actually the thing is with the emergency exit thing Um, because the cabin's pressurized, you actually couldn't open that door at that height. Oh so like if you would not even
0: that that out. That's important. Like
3: I don't want to be like that but actually guy, like putting on my fedora and like correcting you, but but, like no, I um, I wanted that actually makes me feel better because like
0: I, I even thought about like what if I fell asleep and I accidentally like I don't know my <laughs> know. arm yeah,
2: my, can, my arm it, went it, up but I don't know
3: yeah so the way the way the doors are constructed you literally won't be able to open it at that height while the cabin is pressurized wow. um, but like it's it's more intended for like if you're at like ground level you can definitely open it there yeah. right so like when you're I, I believe when you're like taxiing or something like that if you were to pop that door open I think you could do it then but you would never fly in a plane again after you get out of prison
0: well yeah for sure it's, yeah but brian i gotta tell you you just eased <laughs> my mind for every because i work That's in Hawaii. Nice. so i go there like a oh, sure. couple of months and so literally you just made my flight that much better you're gonna think oh, fantastic <laughs> Jiro, back, man i'm gonna feel good stoked my arm is not going to snake yeah. up and accidentally open the door. It's going to be great. You know what? Yep. I'm glad you said that because or your
1: fear because um we recently did a shoot in the Cromwell here in Las Vegas and um there's it's not necessarily a patio but like you could open it and kind of go out there and then I was kind of thinking the same thing. I'm like, "Wait a second. I could literally like step on this little railing and jump out and I could land like on the road, and cars could freaking hit me back and forth or whatever, you know. And I'm like, "Well, oh, that's a weird thing to think," you know. But, yeah. but like, I mean, you could like you that could literally happen. Would I ever do it? No. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like,
3: yeah, that shit can happen. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. It's it's a very common thing that like most people have experienced, like you said, and just never been able to put a name to.
0: Yeah weird that is that is wild Damn, though, man. man i totally see that i totally see it yeah so can you give us an example of maybe one time when you experienced this
3: oh yeah. yeah completely yeah when i first moved to san diego i was like living at a friend's apartment on like the 14th floor and he had like a balcony it was like overlooking the airport like down in little italy yeah. and i would like walk on the balcony and i was stand at the rail and looking at planes take off and i just realized like holy shit like all that's separating me from like a fourteen foot fall on the concrete is this railing, and like you know I could just vault this thing right now and just jump like that yeah. like you know there's nothing stopping me from doing that and that scared the shit out of me. So my god, that is creepy, man! Holy cow! So
0: I mean, I don't know if you researched it at all or uh, like, but do do a lot of people experience this? And you know i guess is this something that few people experience that like do only a few people try to do this kind of not try but feel (laughs) this thing yeah or or is it most people actually look at a at a cliff and they say well it'd be interesting if i if i did that
3: well so i think like so we're three for three on this particular podcast and that's a small sample size not scientific but like i think this is a thing that happens to almost everyone yeah, uh, and that people then just go suppress because like, it's not like they want to do it. Yeah. So like, they just kind of like push it out of their minds, you know, and go about their day without really examining like, wait, why did I feel like that? That's fucking weird. It's just, I think it's right? our, it's
0: our terminal sort of obsession with death.
3: Yeah. yeah. We're just, we're
0: all
1: curious. About we're it. the only we're animal that knows their own mortality. Yeah. And so I feel like yeah. we're to
3: think about it. Yeah. Yeah exactly it's it's also kind of possibly even like a control thing Mm -hmm. oh god so like like you know honestly like not to get too dark here but like you know you can take control over death by choosing the time and manner um and that's a way to control it versus letting it control you um which is super morbid but hey you know, I I don't I, like I expect like to go on a beer podcast and get like really fucking dark all the time. Just like this no, delicious stuff from Horace Age Dales in Oceanside, California.
0: <laughs> That's Shout what out was, to Horace, yes. And by the way, you're you're a horror author. You're welcome to get as dark yep. as you want, it, <laughs> dark, often sir. as you want. And but and and just so just again, so it, just if you join this podcast for whatever reason and skip to the very end and just listen to this uh brian is a horror author but he also has a great sense of humor so it, which is infused i think throughout his horror oh and god yeah i love it.
1: job i love it i was cracking up at all the different spots in in your book that like thank you i almost felt you brought in your own like your parentheses of like what you were thinking and you kind of brought it in some of the different i was like oh my god this is awesome <laughs> like, I thank, love you. It. thank you thank <laughs> you it was great. You, you
3: yeah. know, my, 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 my fundamental thing with writing is if you're not having a good time, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you know? and that doesn't mean mean that everyone needs to write comedy, but like it should be fun.
0: Yeah. Should be fun. Yeah, heck
1: yeah, man. It should be fun. Yep. That's a that's a great fear, though. I mean, again, another one we haven't had, you know.
0: I think it might be the most complex fear we've had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what Because you don't think about like I would have never I mean, when at the Cromwell, I thought I was kind of like weird thinking that. I'm like, wait a second. Like, is there something yeah. wrong with me thinking about jumping out? You know, I wouldn't do it, but it's like that could happen. It's not like you and want to so do crazy, it. And it's so crazy. You brought it up
0: right now. It it's so wild. It's not like you want to do it, but it's like it's right there in front of you. What if you did? Yeah. It's like, again, like I, I didn't even know there was a name for this. Yeah. You have enlightened me. I feel very good about this because mm-hmm. now I have a name for it. Yeah. And it's not suicidal. No, know, so I, it's not the intent. Yeah. Well, it, br- the intent. it
1: brings me back to Groundhog Day. You know, like if you could, knowing you're going to be fine, would you do it? So that's but, a, that's again, a, man, I would jump off that thing and see what happens. I wake up the next day. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, Except for the one time you weren't. Well, and that's yep. the scary. <laughs> like, you know, is this the one time I do it? And then we're not good. Yeah, it'd be scary. You never know. You never know. See, never know. Uh, I, wouldn't I wouldn't risk mean. it. <laughs> God. Yeah. Dang.
3: So uh, quick, quick self plug real quick. Um, Please. I, so I actually read a short story about this very concept. It's mm. called the siren song of Sharp and deadly things. And it's in a collection called Neo Arcana that you can only get on my website, Ryan Asman com.
0: Oh, see. Okay. So just so everyone knows again, Brian Asman dot com. Asman,
3: you can get. Uh, Brian, sorry, Brian asmond Books Brian asmond
0: slash merch. Yep. Yeah. Slash merch. You can get the current book. Yep. Man, Man, fuck, fuck this, this house. house. You can get his. You can pre-order his new book, yep. which is Return of the Living, Living Elves. Elves. Which, if you're in the Christmas spirit, which I know I am, yep, I'm ready for that fucking book. Yeah, Halloween's over. Christmas time's here. Yeah. Here we go. And then
3: you can get this third, please, one more time, Brian. Uh, it's called Neo Arcana. It's a collection that's exclusive to my website. Ooh. Um, so it's got seven, seven short stories, everything from psychological horror, like I just talked about, to like kind of like a a, a version of an 80s slasher to like some really weird and unclassifiable shit. Uh, it's all in there. And then I also sell a couple other books through my website, my previous novellas. Uh, Jailbrook, which is a sci-fi comedy. If you like Futurama or Rick and Morty or things like that, uh, yeah. you might enjoy Jailbrook. And then maybe my personal favorite thing I've ever written, it's a book called Nunchuck City. And what it is, is essentially it's a it's a book. It's an unlicensed book adaptation of games like Streets of Rage and Double Dragon. Whoa. Holy
0: shit. Dude. All right.
3: Okay. It's unlike, I, I guarantee right that one is not like anything you've ever fucking read.
1: <laughs> I love it. I'm in. So, Brian Asman. Books.com. Books, 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 Brian Asman.
0: Books.com.
1: Yep. And then you'll find, and then you could essentially do the slash merch and they go right to the page, but go to his whole website because you have okay. a bunch of stuff on there.
3: Yeah. I, I have a lot of things like pictures and some text um uh, maybe a couple of links i'm not sure um but then yeah just hit the merch section and give me money nice i, give love, it. I love it brian asman
0: money <laughs> that is actually the new website that we're going to set up here shortly yeah
3: yep. um, that's actually a book i'm gonna write actually just give brian asman money <laughs>
0: i
1: love it, brian book. asman oh dude and then where can they find you on social and everything
3: yeah so i'm on all social media platforms as at the brian asman Okay. Perfect. Dude. So, yeah. I'm mostly, I'm mostly on Twitter, but I have presences on all of them.
1: Okay. So nice. Well, thank you so much, uh, man. Absolutely.
0: Seriously. And just so everyone knows we're going to end this podcast, but we're going to have some special content at the end for any other horror authors out there who are interested in figuring out a little bit more on how to publish their books in maybe some non-traditional ways. So Brian, if you're willing to hang out with us for like five more minutes promise you can get back to your your life and your and your wife and all that good stuff but uh to all our listeners thank you good night and we'll be seeing you
2: Here's the intro. And there's the intro, intro, <laughs> intro, intro,
0: intro. By the way, you know what? I should have asked. You, I meant to ask you, um Asman. Is that is that how you pronounce the last uh, uh
3: Asmin. Asman. As- yeah. Yeah. You Yeah. Know it's should- okay. It's a common mistake.
0: Don't worry about it. Well, but you know what? I want to pronounce it right. Should we just do the intro again? I'd touch on it when you come
1: back and be like, watch, come back. Okay. So you're gonna take this? Okay. yep.